So please turn with me to the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. We are going to the last chapter in the last book in the Bible. And we will consider some verses that are pretty close to the last verses there in the scripture as well. We're going to focus uh, today on verses 18 and 19, but I'm actually going to back up and begin reading um, in verse six. Revelation, um, I don't know, we've been studying it for the last three weeks in Sunday school. We have one more week to go. Um, and Revelation is just odd. It's difficult. And hopefully we can shed some light on what is uh, maybe a little bit simpler part of the book of Revelation. But it was one of the questions I was given, which was, what does Revelation 22, 18 and 19 mean? So we're going to seek to answer that today as best we can. So Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse six, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes the words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Father above, we thank you for these words. We we have been studying Revelation in Sunday school, and we know that these are difficult words at times. But we also know that you are a God who wants us to know you, to understand you, and to see your glories as they are revealed in the scriptures. And so as we turn to this injunction against adding or taking away, we ask that you illuminate for us by the work of the Holy Spirit who you are. 
and how you would have us to live. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So Revelation, as I mentioned, can be a difficult book. There's all kinds of symbols and visions and cycles of seven and three and a half months and three and a half years and time periods and thousands of years and all kind of fun things that people have spilled lots and lots of ink over over the last 1900 years. Today, hopefully, as I mentioned, we're looking at a section that may be difficult, but hopefully not as difficult as the rest of the book. I keep uh, joking with the uh, Sunday school class that every time I think about what New Testament book do I want to preach next, Revelation pops up into my head and then I very quickly come to my senses and my sanity and say, no, not this year. But today we're going to look at this particular passage. And as we look at this passage, I want us to see three things. I want us to see the blessings for keeping God's word. God proclaims blessings upon people for keeping his word. He also proclaims curses for compromising God's word. And then giving us a warning against compromising God's word in our own lives. First, blessings for keeping God's word. Now, in the book of Revelation, there are repeated cycles of seven, and some of them are very um, explicit. We have seven seals that are opened when the, the lamb who is worthy takes the scroll and opens the seven seals. We have seven bowls that are poured out, the bowls of God's wrath. We have seven trumpets warning of God's judgment. We have seven plagues and All of these are very explicit throughout the book of Revelation, but there are other series of sevens as well that we uh, that we're going to look at the last two in one of those series of seven. And that is these beatitude type statements. Blessed is he or blessed are those. There are seven blessed statements that show up throughout the book of Revelation. And we have the last two in our passage today. And one that I want to mainly focus on is the one that happens in verse 7 of chapter 22. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. The other one comes in verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Those who wash their robes are those who have been who have been plunged into the fountain. That fountain, as the hymn says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Those who are cleansed in the blood of our Lord and Savior Christ are those who have the right to the tree of life. They may enter the heavenly city as it descends from the heavens to reside in the new heavens and the new earth, and they may have the eternal blessing of life ahead. But the blessing I want us to focus on today is the one in verse seven. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Blessed is a word that shows up throughout the scriptures. We, as I mentioned, these are beatitude type statements. So we know that in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says things like blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does it mean to be blessed? Outside of the the New Testament, outside of the body, the, the Bible, the word points to a feeling of transcendent happiness that comes from a living a life beyond care, a life beyond labor and a life beyond death. It's typically used to describe people in Greek thought who are in the afterlife, who have passed away and have gone into uh, the Elysian fields or, or even Hades 
to where they no longer worry about the things of this world, the things of this life, and they just live an eternity of transcendent happiness. The New Testament builds upon this idea to point to the distinctive joy that we have as sons and daughters of God, the distinctive joy of knowing and living in that distinctive joy that is ours because of our share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. There's a sense in which as followers of Jesus Christ that we have that transcendent happiness that goes beyond our labors, goes beyond our cares, goes beyond death. It's it's not that we no longer care about the the things of this world. It's not that we no longer care about the labors that we have. We just know that as they are difficult, as it is hard to live in this world, there's the joy that comes from the hope that we have. The promises of the book of Revelation are that for those who overcome, for those who repent, for those who call themselves the children of God, they have the knowledge that they will live forever in God's presence in the new heavens and the new earth. And that should give us a sense of joy as we live here within the difficulties of this fallen world, as we live with the difficulties of life and of work. And yes, even considering our own death or dealing with the deaths of those we love. But in verse seven, who are those who are blessed, who have this particular joy that comes through our salvation? Well, the ones who are blessed are those who keep the words of the prophecy in this book. Now, when we read read that particular passage where it says he who keeps the words of the prophecy, what do we think of? We think of obedience, don't we? We're called to keep the law of God, are we not? And typically when we hear those things, we think of obedience. Well, God's given me these rules, this definition of holiness throughout the law, throughout the prophets, the, the writings and the New Testament. And man, if I love God, I will obey him. If I love God, I will keep his commandments. But keep is a bigger word than merely obedience. Obedience is part of it. But keep is a word that means to guard, to protect It is to preserve against falsification. And that is what we begin to see here as we consider those who are blessed. He who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book are those who keep the prophecies in here from falsification. It's a daunting task when we consider the words of the prophecy of this book. Because oftentimes we don't know what these images mean. But I think what is important for us to understand in the context of the book of Revelation is that what we are guarding against falsification is the fact that God is sovereign over all of history. Everything that happens for good or for ill, according to our definition, God is sovereign over and they bring him glory. And when we see the church persecuted, when we see, as Asaph says in Psalm 73, we see the wicked prosper and the righteous die and become ill and sick. We know that God wins over all of those things. And when he returns through his son, all things will be set right. We will see his glory once and for all and all evil will be punished once and for all and for eternity. 
And as we study the book of Revelation specifically, keeping the words of the prophecy of this book means that we always study Revelation in light of those facts. God is sovereign over everything. God is victorious over sin, evil and destruction, even when it seems like his kingdom here on earth is being utterly destroyed. We are blessed when we seek to protect the words that God speaks. We are blessed through obedience, through seeking to know truth, the truth that God reveals in here and protecting that truth and proclaiming it as truth. God calls us blessed as we stand before him, seeking to be those who protect his truth. Our pastor today teaches us that there are blessings for keeping God's words. But our passage today also teaches us that there are curses for compromising God's words. What does Revelation 22, 18 through 19 mean and what does it cover today? Those are the questions that we need to ask as we consider these curses. It's very interesting in this passage that we have blessings for keeping the word and curses for compromising the word. It's a structure that has shown up throughout Scripture. Deuteronomy itself is what we call a covenant document. God, through Moses, lays out the rules of living that he wants the Israelites to follow once he enters the once they enter the promised land. And then as you go on throughout the book of Deuteronomy, there are blessings for keeping the law of God as laid out in Deuteronomy. There's also curses for breaking God's law as he lays it out in Deuteronomy. We have that pattern here show up for us in Revelation 22. What does this passage mean as far as the the curses? Well, I believe this passage is a contrast to those who keep God's word. If keeping means to God's word, means to guard God's word from falsification, then the curse falls upon those who falsify God's word in one of two ways, either by adding to it or by taking away. How do we add to God's word? Well, an extreme example is the Church of the Latter-day Saints. They ever come and knock on your door and you agree to sit down and talk with them. They're going to hand you an extra book. I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible and they're going to hand you an extra book. Because according to their beliefs, God revealed himself through an angel to Joseph Smith and gave him extra scriptures to write down. That is an extreme example of adding to the scriptures, adding to the book of prophecy. Now, they will argue with you with with you that they are not adding to the book of prophecy. And we'll cover that here in a few moments. But it's what they're doing. Secondly, taking away. How do we take things away? Scripture as a whole, we take things away from them. Think about our current discussion in our culture on marriage. Well, Moses and Paul didn't really mean what they said about marriage because they didn't understand things as well as we do. So you can ignore those passages. You can take those passages out of your Bible. If you go to Smithsonian Institute, depending upon the the American history, Smithsonian Museum, depending upon the the, the, uh, exhibits that they have, you can find Thomas Jefferson's Bible. What's special about Thomas Jefferson's Bible? He read it with a razor blade in hand, and if he didn't like a particular passage, he cut it out. That's taking away from the Scriptures. 
Anyone who is guilty of falsifying the word of God will receive the punishments recorded in the book of Revelation and be barred from the holy city and the tree of life. I encourage you, if you haven't recently, read through the book of Revelation. It can be horrifying. It can be scary. And a lot of those scary images are pictures of God's judgment falling upon those who refuse to repent. If you look at the if you look at the uh, the um, uh, the image, the, the vision of the bowls, the seven bowls of God's wrath at the end of many of those God of those bowls being poured out upon the nations, it says, and they did not repent and they did not repent and they did not repent. And the bowls get worse as they continue not to repent. Those judgments will pour out upon those who falsify. And then it says for anyone who adds. Well, now it takes away, excuse me, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now, we do take the. We do take the testimony of the rest of Scripture to know that this is not someone who loses their salvation because they take things away. These are people, as John describes in his first letter to the churches, that were they left us because they were not part of us. If we live a life of falsifying the word of God, we are in danger of the judgments of God. We are in danger of receiving the curses of the book of Revelation. We are in danger of being barred entry to the heavenly city. In danger of being barred access to the tree of life. And showing to the world that we may not be converted. Now, Jesus can save anyone according to his Holy Spirit. Up until certain times in your life. You still have opportunities to repent. And change. But if we go to our deathbed. Taking away or adding. To the scriptures. We are in danger. Of. Damnation. Secondly what does this passage cover. We've answered the question when we looked at the curses. What does it mean. What does the passage cover now in its immediate context. Which is always how we should begin to learn to interpret scripture. In its immediate context, it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Which book? This book, the book of Revelation. In its immediate context, John is saying, don't add or take anything away from the book of Revelation. This, by the way, is where your your Latter-day Saints friends will say, that's why we can add the book of Mormon. It's because John's just talking about the book of Revelation. The problem is, it's not just John talking about it. We read in our Old Testament reading today in Deuteronomy chapter four, that as God speaks his law through Moses to the Israelites, he says, don't add or take away to it. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, see that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. 
Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. But those are Old Testament passages. Paul in Galatians chapter one. Verses six through eight, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. John would say, let the punishments of the book of Revelation be poured out upon him. God deals with his people in covenants. God deals with his people by saying, this is how you are supposed to live. These are blessings that come to you for keeping it. These are curses that come to you for disobeying it. Live the way I have ordered you to live. The Bible opens with a covenant, Adam and Eve. We're in a covenant relationship with God. Keep these, keep the garden till the garden Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of the fruit, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and you'll live forever eating from the tree of life. Break it and you shall surely die. The Bible closes with covenant proclamation as well. Blessed are those who keep the words of the prophecy in this book and curses upon those who compromise or falsify this book. God is a God who cannot lie and all of his words are covered by these warnings. All of these words are covered by the curses. Now, what does it cover as far as our study of the word? If I stand before you today and preach a proclamation. And find out next week that I I misspoke or said something incorrect, have I then poured the punishments of revelation out upon myself. Well, goodness, I hope not. I am doing it. I believe if somebody is doing their due diligence to study, to interpret, and they make a mistake, God can forgive that. But if I intentionally stand up here and say something to you that is contrary to the word of God, knowing that it's contrary to the word of God, because I want to justify my own sinful actions. Then I am guilty of compromising or falsifying the scriptures. And if I do it long enough, I am proving myself to not be one of us. See, that's what he's talking about here. If we take these things and we falsify them in order to justify our own sinful lifestyles. We are in danger of the punishments recorded in here. Joshua Harris, some of you may know the name Joshua Harris. He wrote a little over 20 years ago. He wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It became a manual for Christian dating, courting. Um, It had some issues with it, which he has been very honest about. In fact, about a year ago, he came out and said, you know, there are some things in there I shouldn't have done. Within the last six months, within the last month, actually two months, he has had what we call a deconversion experience in our culture. He has walked away from the faith. I have to applaud him for one thing, though. He did it quite honestly. In an interview over marriage about a week before he had his deconversion experience, he was asked, what does the Bible teach about marriage? 
He says the Bible teaches exactly about marriage what all the conservative people think it does. You can't have one or the other. And a week later, in a fit of honesty, I guess, he said, I want the one so I can't have the other. And he walked away from his faith. I applaud him because instead of falsifying scripture to justify a very lucrative pastoral position, he walked away. Many times people are not so honest. They will falsify a position to justify a sinful lifestyle. Now, I don't know if he left his wife for who he left his wife for or what he left his wife for. I'm just saying he could not stand in the pulpit and preach what he did no longer believe. And he couldn't change what he no longer believed to match what he wanted to preach. So we know the big things about adding to or taking away scripture. We can see them in our world. We can see them in the people who knock on our door. We can see them in the way that people twist the scriptures to justify sinful lifestyles. But we are tempted to compromise every day in small ways. Do you know where in scripture the very first instance of adding and taking away from the word of God came? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Satan's adding there. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it. Or you shall surely die. We can add to it to make Scripture more strict. We can take away from it to make Scripture more lenient. And we do so in order to justify our lifestyle. If I want to proclaim my holiness to the world, I'll add a whole bunch of rules to the gospel that I can keep easily and that make me holy. If I want to justify a sinful behavior in my life, let's say anger. I can say, I know God wants me to take care of my anger. But that's just the way I am. That's just who I am. That's just the way I was raised. Thereby taking away the promises in scripture that says, if you are in Christ, you are not that person. You are not who you were when you were raised. You are not an angry person. You are a holy chosen and beloved person. We are tempted every day, brothers and sisters, to add or to take away. And we must repent. We must confess. And we must know that God, who regards truth highly because he is truth, wants us to walk in the truth as he has revealed it. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for the truth that you have revealed to us. Help us to hold it in high regard. We don't worship the truth. We don't worship the scripture, but we worship the God who is truth. And he is revealed in that scripture. Help us to deal with it rightly. And when it deals with us in areas that we really kind of wish it wouldn't or that make us uncomfortable or that tempt us to compromise the scripture. Help us to remain faithful to the truth that you have provided. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.